0: Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk We'll spend the last... Two weeks in John twelve, the last week of Jesus' life is John twelve, and uh, we we'll spent the last two weeks. The first week in between chapter one, uh, verse one, and oh, we didn't even get to verse twelve. But last week we went into a bit more detail about how. So, just to give you a wee bit b- background, in case you're you kind know, of just to catch up, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. He's in the last week of his life. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, want to kill him now, and it's not even want to kill him that's, that's, that's imminent. Uh, and he's retreated. He's went to. He's retreated. It's the Passover, where probably two million, maybe up to two million people say two million Jews were being congregating. Um, in Jerusalem for the Passover feast which was to commemorate and celebrate uh, the Jews being released or released from the bondage of Pharaoh and here they are at this and Jesus has retreated and then he's coming into Jerusalem he's laying down his life Uh, at this point the Pharisees and some of the Pharisees are saying you know what we're going to kill him but we're trying to find the right time so they're going to kill him, but they're no are no ready right away. They're going to get a bit of time. They've got the Passover going, but Jesus is taking he's he's dictating. He he knows his time is coming. The hour has come. Uh, so he he makes his way into the town. Before that, the the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees they've decided that it's no enough. They want to kill Jesus. They want to kill Lazarus. They want to kill the evidence, and I spoke about this in deep depth last week, and it's an important subject, if we hide the evidence, we keep the lie alive, and we went into a lot of detail about that, and how the human tendency, and how the human mind can, the, the human belief system, can remove facts and evidence in order to justify how we're living, and how we're dealing with things, and it's very challenging, and I'd probably guarantee this week that you've probably done it at some point. I'm sure I did. I've just, I've just removed evidence there. I, I had, you know, it's a pride issue, isn't it? Pride not it? If you, any of you are reading my posts recently, I've been prolific recently with posts, and if you're not following me, I don't know what you're doing. <coughs> so you know, start following me on Instagram, you'll see these posts, because I have been prolific. I don't know if it's just a season. I'm kind of that kind of guy, you know what I mean? Uh, you might not see one for the next six months, but at the moment I'm on it. Uh, and uh, I've been sending posts but one of the posts I wrote was about how we use pride pride and shame work together and we use pride to hide our shame so we pretend that we're better than what we are we justify where we are in a million and one other things and what the Pharisees and the Sadducees are doing is if we can remove Lazarus then there'll be no evidence that Jesus raised him from the dead Unless he raised them again, that would have been good on it. No, they killed Lazarus. and Jesus just says, "Just get back up," no, which he could have done easily. So I spoke in depth about that and how we can remove evidence and things that are challenging our life and challenging our insecurity and challenging our inferiority and a million and one things that challenges. And what we do is we manoeuvre it to a place it's out of sight, out of mind. Our avoidance is by we're guided by avoidance, no, and we start to we're able to in our own mind convince ourselves that that doesn't exist that that's not there so that we can justify how we're living you know what you can never do but I never mentioned this do you know what you can never do you can never seek God with boldness when you're doing it yeah. it's one thing you can't do because you can't come to the throne room of grace with boldness when that's going on see when you're hiding evidence of truth you can never pray bold prayers you can never open up there, there's just always something missing that stops you truly seeking God boldly because you cannot have that sinful um, hiding and open up your word and pray boldly at the same time. Try it, it's impossible. No, don't bother trying it, just don't do it. Uh, you can't do it because your prayer becomes limited. And this is the enemy's tactic, isn't it? The, the prayer becomes limited, how you seek becomes limited, your accountability becomes limited, uh, who you speak to becomes limited, the man who isolates himself. And it doesn't he always start this way. The man who isolates himself and pause, the man who isolates himself, just get a couple of days, get half an hour, get a day or two. The man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. The man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. And we start to isolate ourselves to seek our own desire. We might be holding on to something that we should be letting go to, and we isolate ourselves so that we continue to pursue our wrong desires and the wrong ideas and the wrong ideologies and we don't tell the truth when it's caught talk. We end up caught top. Caught top means that we don't really confess anything until we get caught. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bad way, you know. I don't know if you've ever been there. I have I have toes are up here. Toes, no, wait till I get caught, I'll no get of out and God's like, ah, oh, why are you doing? It just deeply affects our our prayer life and our walking. We went into detail about that last week, which leads us then on and Jesus then has this triumphant entry, which is here we are in November coming into coming into Advent coming into Christmas season coming into Advent and here we are in here we are in our amazing Easter messages (laughs) which what else can we do because this is going to last we're going to be in this last week of Jesus' life for the next year so I can't just do Easter message on Easter (laughs) because I would would need to do Easter for a year and then you'll be rolling eggs at Christmas I mean where, where do you stop you know what I mean uh, so we've got to we've got to get through this, and as we know, it doesn't matter anyway. Once you get teaster, we'll I'll be even more stronger. I've done some today, and I was doing this this morning. This is amazing. Let me just do this, and it's it's maybe no in line by what I'm going to say, but just 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 to show you this, that's what we've been through in a year. Okay, but but that but that's no what's amazing but Think of what you know. Yeah. Think of what you've learned in that wee bit. In a year. Think if we do that. John McAfford's had that for 50 years. I'm like, oh. raging. <laughs> eh. <laughs> 50 years. <coughs> One year. You that. How amazing is that? And look how it's impacted your life. Yeah. Yet we think there's something better in the world. Crazy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So we've been in this and then Jesus is making this entry and... He's coming in, and they're shouting "Hosanna, Hosanna!" And we've got the palm trees, as if the the palm leaves. And I spoke about that a few. As if this was a brilliant thing. Oh, here comes the Lamb of God. That's not why they're cheering. They're cheering for this, this, this saviour. This is Prosperity God. That's what they're cheering for. It's a Prosperity God who's going to alleviate their problems. No, they they see Jesus. This is this is where most of them are at. Here's Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead. How easy is it going to be for him to get rid of the Romans so that we can be all powerful and all knowing and all in charge again? That's how they see him. There were some who believed him as the Lamb of God, but the majority never. And you'll, you see that as it comes up, as they start crying, "Crucify him! Crucify him!" So let's just get in here, and then we'll get through some of this. And this is there's some astounding verses in these next few passages and I know some of you will read this before you come on a Sunday and then you read it on a Sunday and you go, oh, this is great. You know, I love that. You know, that, you know when the preacher, uh, uh, and this is no about me, it's just God's word. When, the, when, you, when you're going, right, I've read that and then the preacher comes up and we open the word and then we share it together and you go, oh, oh I thought I'd seen that. And then you just, it just elevates it more and more and more and no, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm so joking. Uh, Verse 12. Let me just read these couple. The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Uh, And they were waving palms, and Hosanna means save us now, rescue us now. Uh, they were waving palms and shouting and the waving and shaking and it's what was done in the Old Testament and Leviticus to symbolise and celebrate the joy and the freedom and the prosperity the, 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 that was going to free them. Uh, then it was freedom for Pharaoh, now it's going to freedom for the Romans. And it was not a heavenly blessing or salvation they wanted, well it was heavenly blessing but it's no salvation they were really looking for in, in the sense he'd been saved, he'd been born again, he, 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 the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. It was earthly riches in favour. It's prosperity gospel. It's like a revival, charismatic revival meeting they were after. Uh, and, and this Jesus had raised Lazarus. Uh, this is what they're thinking. He's now surely going to overthrow the Romans and make us prosper. Which leads us right up to where we're at to now, which is verse 14. Okay, let's go to verse 14. We'll get through this. Hopefully get through 10 verses. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written... Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold the king is coming, sitting on a donkey or a coat. And Jesus is fulfilling here, he goes and gets a donkey. It talks about it way more in Matthew, uh, we don't need to get into it, and the other synoptics, meaning the other gospels, it talks a bit more that he's a donkey, go and tell them you need it for the Lord, and it, it goes in and some people misinterpret all that stuff. John's just, John, he's like, I don't care about the donkey. Oh, and it 's don- no that that's they don 't know that that 's taking to undermine the other gospels no but john 's highlighting highlighting the, the deity christ so he 's like i 'm not going to working I I'm just gonna get a donkey but that 's one that 's all, all you need to know and what i 'm writing in other gospels talk a bit more about the donkey and the coat and all that stuff uh, but this is what he was fulfilling jesus fulfilling in zechariah nine nine incidentally Zechariah out with Isaiah, just in case you 're interested in this. is is the second most prophesied book in the Old Testament of the Messiah and the coming saviour of Jesus. So out with Isaiah, then you've got Zachariah that talks more in the Old Testament about Jesus than any other book out with Isaiah, just to let you know. So here it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. So he gets the two. No, they're mars. They put coats over them and he brings the older one and the younger one. Chances are that they bring the older one just to keep the younger one calm. So the mother came with the, the young foal to keep it calm but Jesus goes on the foal. Uh, and what, what's important here that Jesus is coming in a foal and a donkey and Jesus is doing everything to prophesy uh, uh, to fulfill the foretold prophecy. He came to take away their sins. No, Jesus came to take away their sins. That's why he came in a donkey. If Jesus came as a warrior king, what they were looking for, he would have came in a white horse. Mm -hmm. The white horse is coming way later. The white horse is what Jesus will come on when he returns. But Jesus is coming to lay down his life at this point. So he comes in a donkey, which symbolizes peace, surrender, no, when Jesus comes back in Revelations as it talks about, when Jesus comes back, he comes back as a warrior, he comes back in a white horse, he comes back as, as, as no, no this surrender, gain his life up for his sheep, but he comes back as God, as all-powerful, all-knowing to take over the whole reign of the world, and it's a whole different story. Yeah. It's not a different story, but it's a different entry. Yeah. He came to take away their sins, he came as... A warrior when he when comes back. But here he comes as a prince of peace. Oh, listen, can you put up the message title just incidentally? If you don't mind. Thank you. Uh, and, and simply the message is called The God Who Dies For Us. And this is important. It doesn't mean much, the title here But as I read it, I'll mean, I'll mean some. But I'll mean even more shortly. Uh, and you know what? Here we have here. We can have all the history. And here's the thing. They have, these people have totally missed that. Here's Jesus riding on a donkey, coming in, he laid down his life, and they've missed it. They're going, oh, here's this warrior guy coming. This is what we're looking for. He's got, And they've totally missed the point. Uh, we have all the history. Many Christians, we have all the history. Oh, they've got all the theology. They've got all the verses. They've got all the talk. Yet still miss Jesus. Still miss who he is and what he came to do. And this is so similar as often I share that because of our journey and where we are. And obviously, I believe the call in this church's life is is that partly what we speak about and through interpreting the God's word does is, is we also highlight um, what the church is the other day. Uh, much of the church today, we see this. It looks like they are following Jesus. It seems that they know Jesus. They're all shouting, Hosanna. It seems that they know Jesus. Yet... Yet, they do not see him or understand him when he reveals himself in scripture. Nor understand who he is, why he came. They miss him. And because they miss him, and this is is where really we're going to be going this, this morning, because they miss him, they start to find Jesus and create a Jesus thing that starts to miss Jesus. They start because they miss who Jesus is and why he came as the Prince of Peace, the sacrificial lamb, and because they miss him, they have to create something else. And in the church today, because we miss Jesus and miss the simplicity of the sacrificial lamb, we have to create something else to deal with what Jesus has dealt with. Let me read another scripture from Zechariah, which will open this up more, right? This is Zechariah 13. Uh, and these verses really explain what, what I've just said there and will open this whole passage up. In that day, a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanliness. So when Jesus comes as a sacrificial lamb, the floodgates are open to cover sin. It's like a fountain. In fact, it's a fountain he his blood that takes away the sins of the world. This is what it's saying here. This is when Jesus comes. This is when he comes today. And then it says this, and it's like they miss it, like these people standing at the side of the road and people all over the modern church today. It shall be in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols from the land and they shall no longer be remembered. I will also cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to depart from the land, it shall come to pass, that if anyone still prophesies, see, what's happening here is, in Jesus, this is foretold prophecy, and this is happening today as well, they're saying, you know what, Jesus has came as a sacrificial lamb, but we need something else, we need new prophecies, and it's bypassing the whole power of the cross, if anyone still prophesies, then his father and mother who begot him will say to him, you shall not live because you have spoken lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother who begot him shall thrust him through when he prophesies. And it shall be in that day that every prophet will be ashamed of his vision. And do you know why? Do you know why? Eventually prophets, modern day prophets are everywhere. They will eventually, they've all got visions. Vision for this, vision for this, vision for this, vision. They've all got the next new idea and the next new wave and they've missed the Lamb of God. We've actually missed who Jesus is while we're pursuing something out with the cross and the power of the cross and the power of the sacrificial lamb in order to get well. Uh, And it says when he prophesies, they will not wear a robe, of course, here to deceive. If this is no light church today, I don't know what it is. We have his word, we have his sacrifice, we have the cross. We have the sin offering that he came to take away all our sins. There's no other way. We have the fulfillment of scripture. But it's not enough. It's not enough. It's no cutting it for some. It's not enough. I testify to you know nothing when I was amongst you except Christ and Christ crucified. Too too shallow for the modern church today. We need more. We need more prophecy Jesus has done it all, but yet much of the modern church is not satisfied. We need more vision, more prophecy. More ways to get healed. So, new ways to get healed now. Uh, there's stuff coming out of places everywhere. Massive stuff coming out of Bethel. Bethel in Reading, California. Uh, Bill Johnson's church. New ways to get healed. They're, they're creating new ways to get healed. And Jesus knows as he's sitting on that donkey and walks to Jerusalem... Many will say he's no he. He isn't the one. We need more. This is what all the Jews are saying. We need more. This sacrifice is just not enough. We need more. We need more. They don't need more freedom. And we don't need more freedom. We need, we do, but it'll come when we recognize the freedom we have due to what Jesus has done. And the problem is in the modern churches is when we're not preaching the word, then you're no understanding and you're no getting convicted. Your sin. with what Callum was saying and then you're no understanding the sacrifice. Therefore, you need something else. The more we understand who that is that's coming into Jerusalem, the more we understand the lamb who was slain, who's coming in, the more we understand that, the less we need other stuff. That does the work. The more we walk in that righteousness and stop seeking more the more we understand the atonement, the atone for our sins, the more we understand the atonement. You know there, you know why there's so many programs in church? Because we don't even talk about the atonement. We don't understand it. People don't understand the cross. That's what Jesus did for us. And the more we understand what Jesus did for us and who he is, what he came to do, the less we need other things and programs and all this stuff that's gone with it methods, programs, Alcoholics Anonymous needs a 12 step program for people to get better because they'll deny Jesus, think about it, 12 step recovery programs to get you well and a program for life is a result of trying to find another way to get healing and try to find another way to deal with your sin. And try to find another way to deal with your feelings. And try and find another way of dealing with your past. By avoiding the cross. <coughs> and much of the movements today is sozo. Bethel sozo movement. You're delving right into your past and all that. What happened to you when you were five and seven and eight, and you're delving into all that, and you're getting into the doors and you get into the other rooms, and this is how they do it, and you walk you through this. They're saying it's no Christian counseling, and listen, biblical counseling's fine, but they, they do this other way, and you take you through this, and it's all kind of party, it's massive, there churches everywhere, creating this new thing, uh, where it's a new way to get healed. Preach the gospel. Preach the word. Preach the cross. You don't need all this other stuff. You need that because of this. It's, it's, it's backfiring. Substitute for the cross. It's a program for healing. By not understanding the sacrifice of Jesus. That's what it is. I know. That's why it says believe like a child. We're needing programs for healing everywhere. Because we're missing the cross. And that's what was happening to him. We're going to need something else. All the Jews are lining up they're going to go who, who's this that's coming? It's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world it's the Prince of Peace it's the, it's the God who dies for us. Mm, 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 it's not cutting it for me. Much of the church today is a program or a method for healing that has been created because the gospel message has not been taught or understood. And there's no patience which I'll get into. There's no patience. There's no patience to wait. There's no patience to just allow Jesus to be Jesus in your life. You need to go and get something else. Now, I'm not saying here, no, and I faced heat about this. That this really, it only bothers me because I don't want to bring confusion, you know, about tablets and whether you need stuff for illnesses. Listen, I believe that stuff. I believe that. Whether you're ill physically or mentally and you need medication, that's not the that's, argument. That's not the argument. Oh, that's not the argument. I was at a conference last week and they were talking about a preacher. I can't remember his name. What was his name? And he's a Scottish guy. And he, he'd done amazing things, wrote a lot about the atonement, suffered from mental ill health all his life. So we're not saying it doesn't exist. What we're saying is, is that when it becomes off piece, and it starts to create something. Let me just say something on that matter here, just, just for clarity as well. And this is where, it's, this is a, this, this is where it gets a bit difficult. Often, often what happens is, it's, it's not that this stuff doesn't exist. It's that we don't sit down with godly counsel and actually talk about why it's consuming us. And I'm not talking about people with mental ill health. I'm talking about people who, who you're related to or who you're associated with Get mental ill health. And often we, we need help with that stuff because we hold on to stuff wrongly. And the way we hold on to it, and the way we view it, and the way it contains us, can often be caused by other things going on in us. It's not so much that it doesn't exist, it's often how we carry it and what's going on in us, and the way that we carry it, and no carry it, eh, how we carry it towards other people. And I'm going to say this here, and, 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 and just, please be, I'll just put an umbrella out here, please be gracious with me here. We suffer, we are living in times when we're living in pandemic times of parental shame, Parental shame. Okay? And parental shame st- struggles. And I get it. I, listen, I get it. Parental shame struggles with the thought that anything that's caused in somebody else's life could have been caused by them. Okay? Now, I'm not saying it is caused by them. But that's always in the mix. That is always in the mix of the mindset and that's why we need biblical counsel and biblical men and women of God who can help you walk through that yeah. so that you can separate what the person suffers for, for what's not your responsibility. When I was a child, I fought like a child, I acted like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And, and there's, there's, there's things that, that people don't want to touch because, and they want to justify. Uh, because it's, it, they feel the shame, and the responsibility, yeah. uh, and it needs helped and talked about. That's complex, isn't it? I don't know if that that's complex, but it's no complex for you to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, and that's why you need people to help you through that, and work you through that, and manage you through that. Uh, okay, that's. I just wanted to put that out there. Anyway, back to this. So much of the talks today is programs for method of healing that is created because the true gospel message isn't been taught or understood. People want healing. People want healing for the past. <coughs> yeah? Healing from hurts. Healing from shame. Healing from guilt. Healing from anger. Healing from unforgiveness people want healing for everything and that's okay but we can't bypass the cross, doesn't we? when we start bypassing the process we miss it and it says this impatience almost in the church that when people are hurting and broken we feel that we need to go and get a program right away and often often it's created see this loosely by either preachers or pastors who are either no saved or consumed, that they desperately need you to get well quicker. They are not happy with your process of you getting well, so they create these stuff. So, because they, the thing is, they need you to help them fulfil their prophecy. They need you to help them to fulfil their vision, and you're not getting well enough, quick enough. And if you're not getting well enough, quick enough, we better put stuff in place to get you well quicker. And everything they teach makes you feel guilty that you're not getting well enough, quick enough. And then all of a sudden they bring in a programme. Get quick, fat. Get well quick. Which is taking away the understanding of the cross. Listen, if you are saved by God's grace at this moment in time and you're a new believer, you don't already know the full weight of that yet. And that's okay. You're not expecting all right away. You don't know the full weight of the cross. You don't know the full weight of the atonement. You don't know the full weight of the sacrifice. You don't. But you know Jesus. And what happens in organisations like the Sozo stuff that has took some of the teachings for recovery programmes like Alcoholics Anonymous, like for Bill Wilson that created a programme. Bill Wilson, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, created a programme for alcoholics to feel better about their guilt and their shame and their past and all that stuff because he was an agnostic atheist himself and he wanted to go that road so that he didn't need to go to the cross. So he wanted to take another program that would help people deal with. We write inventory, we go through this stuff, we go a step programme, we do all this stuff. You'll hear it in AA all the time in different I work my programme. We don't you don't need to work your program. There it's Amen. there's your program. Yeah. It's the sacrifice of Jesus. That's the programme. You need a programme and that's when you don't know that you need something else. And they miss Jesus and the gospel message. And much of this shows it on all the stuff that's moving. And, no, we're going to get healing and we're going to find this and we're going to growth track you and we're going to do this. It's just because there's no patience or there's no preaching the word that's bringing, doing the sanctifying work in people's hearts. Do you know what encouraged me more than anything? You know, and You know, I talked about it uh, when Jesus held back when he lays Lazarus from the dead that he'd the greatest joy and the greatest love that he could give to Mary and Martha was that they would grow in faith. You know, I don't think there's any greater joy that they can come to a pastor when I have conversations with countless people and you just see the work of the Word changing their life. Just the work of the Word. Just slow You know, I would rather have the work of the Word changing your life for a lifetime than going through some step hidden room To get some quick fix healing and you never know the cross. Because you'll never know it. You'll never know the power of it. Because you're not willing to walk through the blood. You're not willing to walk through it. You know. Jesus says that therefore we can approach the throne room of grace with boldness. Do you know what that looks like? Let me show you what it looks like. Between the cross and the throne room of grace is covered in blood. I know. Ugly picture. Ugly picture. Covered in blood. What a horror movie. Covered in blood. For the cross, to the throne room of grace is covered in blood. And us who are elect, every single step we take over the blood cleanses. Yeah. It just cleanses every single step. It takes away our sin step by step, second by second, cleansing by cleansing, bit by bit. And what, hat Do you get that? Yeah. And it's just bit by bit but I know you've had the cross and I know you understand it, but we're constantly walking, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no I'm walking through the blood. Yeah. I'm not hovering over it. I'm not getting into a hidden room. I'm not stepping away from the blood. I'm not stepping, no stepping away from the power of the cross. I'm not stepping away from the sacrificial lamb. I'm walking through the blood and each step through that heals me and helps me understand my sin, helps me understand what I've been forgiven. Listen. When we truly know our own wretchedness and then know what we've been forgiven for, you don't need. I'll take care of everything. But it's not enough. We need to get and look at this, and we need to get into this. And you've got people in churches everywhere going, "I'm not getting my well. I'm not getting well quick enough." Well, you're not tapping into this new prophecy. You're not tapping into this new move. You're not tapping into this new program. Man-made, man-made programs to cleanse people of their sin and make them righteous. Surely if that was needed, it would be here. It would have, Jesus would have said that you're going to have to get in your hidden rooms and talk about what happened to you when you were five and six. And we're known about Christian godly biblical counseling. Yeah. But this becomes the whole way that well. Only have a heavenly experience with it, walking through the blood. That's what gets us there. And the reason that we don't have the freedom in our life, as yet, if you're saved, is you're being sanctified. And you don't need something out with the word. You need more understanding, more revelation of what Jesus has done for you, how much he loves you, how he's chosen you, what he's covered you for. Sitting at the right hand of the throne in the day, pleading with the Father and interceding on your behalf because he loves you. So impatient, isn't me? Let's move on, verse 16. And and, and if you're maybe wondering here, is that really what the scripture's saying? Wait, you read the next verses and you'll get a flavour of this. Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first. I just love that. Just pause here. They did not understand it at first, but still followed them. I didn't fully understand the cross. I don't, the disciples are going, what's this, he's on a donkey, he's anointed, he's smelling a perfume. I I, I don't get it. We don't get it, Jesus. What is this? It says he didn't understand at the time. And what happens in the church world is, is we're so impatient with people, that people that don't understand at the time, we'll create something else to help you understand, and we'll go with it. the disciples did not understand these things at the time but when Jesus was glorified I love this then they remembered see this is how the sanctifying what ones operate sorry you don't fully comprehend yeah. but you follow anyway yeah. and then some harms further down the line you go oh Oh and what and that's what we need. Just leave it alone. And Jesus could have said, wait a minute, I'll explain it to you. It says he didn't understand. John Jesus, didn't you know they didn't understand? Jesus, I know they don't understand. Just go with me. Just go away until you get me here. Just go away, me now. You're following Jesus. And for you believers in here who are still at the stages, I don't really know a lot. Good, it's all right. As long as you keep coming to this church, we won't give you a sidetrack and put you through another door that'll give you quick revelation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just let you keep on walking through it because eventually the penny will drop. We're messing. The church today is messing with the penny dropper. (laughs) Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Jesus wants to drop. Honestly, this is kind of he wants you to drop bombs into your life. I hate that. I hate it. I, I don't even like it, but he yeah, is. He's dropping bombs into your life when he's ready. Do you know what I'm saying? When he's ready. When he knows you're ready. When you tie everything up, you go, oh. you know that? You go, oh. Um, Heaven forbid that we bypass people and go. Let's get through the roomy when you were eight. Let's get through the roomy when you're seven. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about resentments and harms done to others. And let's do a wee list. Let's work your programme. It says the disciples did not comprehend they must be like. That. They would have been last each other. No idea. No, I don't know what the donkeys are put. And even though they knew the scripture, they could not align it and tie it all up together. And it's vital that we stay disciplined in the church of Jesus Christ that when people don't understand, we don't go and bypass the work of the word. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered these things. When Jesus was glorified, when Jesus was raised for the dead, they even, they could remember back, oh, that was that. Oh, that was that moment. Maybe you have the moments in your life. I don't want to sidetrack too much of the moments in your life before you were saved. And then you get saved and you get a revelation of Jesus and then you remember that time. I remember that time somebody said that to me. I remember, I remember sitting somebody done that. The greatest thing that happened to you is, is nobody started messing with that process and actually turned Jesus into somebody else. They didn't understand it at first, but they still went with it. And you may not fully understand it at first, but you trust the word. You trust the word. And what's happening in the modern churches is there's no trust in the word with people's process anymore, so they need to create some. The disciples were still trying to work out the donkey, the atonement, the anointing, the imminent arrest, the palms waving. They're like, what is this? And you may not have a full picture of your understanding of the Prince of Peace, the Lamb of God, you won't. It's precept upon precept. It's learning all the time. It's understanding all the time. It's understanding who Jesus is more and more and more and more and more. We became obsessed with understanding ourselves and no understanding Him. Don't you think? Yeah. We don't know. You, I get to know me. We, do, we, 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 we get to know Him. You get to know you. <laughs> we bypassed Him to get to know myself. Need to know, know Him. See, when you know fully him, he will fully show you you, and he'll fully show you who you exactly are, mm-hmm. and he'll fully show you who you're exactly not, yeah. and he'll fully show you what he done for you, and then you'll say hosanna rightly. Yeah. You don't need to go and create something, you force something because you're lacking understanding. You walk through it; they didn't understand, but Jesus didn't tell them. So many people just don't want to walk things through. Can't he cope, we wait and see. They, they need it fixed now, sorted now, goose pimples now. All about what I'm getting now, what I need to feel now, what I understand now. I mean, it's, it's just confusing. The church is full of consumers. People who want to buy now, pay later. <laughs> buy now, pay later. I'll buy it now. I want it now. I'll pay the price later. Programmes, groups, healing sessions. No patience. Book of James, chapter 1, verse. You know what I mean? You know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's verse 4. I just said that for effect. The church has no faith in patience. It says, James says, let patience do its job. Look you hear this. That you may be mature and lack nothing. See, if we don't allow the work of the word and the work of the cross to patiently gives revelation in their life and gives a deeper understanding of the power of the cross and the power of the blood. See, if we don't do that, we will be immature and lack loads. You'll be immature and lack loads. So all these people that want a program because they don't want to spend the time understanding the word and get through understanding the atonement and understanding what Jesus was doing and getting a deeper understanding of that you're lacking a lot. You'll end up lacking a lot. You think you're not lacking a lot because you're getting qu- better quicker. Mm. But you're lacking a lot. If any of you have been in church for any length of time, you'll say, you know what, I couldn't even explain the cross or explain the sacrifice or explain the atonement or understand it. I really didn't know it. But I was saved and you know what, I was desperate for a healing and get breakthrough. Mm-hmm. So I joined the next program and the next study and the next this and the next that. Do you know what? But it always made me immature and lack a lot. I mentioned that we need people on board their vision more, their plan more. So that's how we often create these things. That's what happens. they are no creating strength. They're causing weakness. This is why some of you are weak. Ill and asleep, it says. Sick, weak and asleep. And it talks about no understanding the last supper and the Lord's table and confession and this is my body that was broken for you take eat this is my blood that was shed for you, drink and then don't do it in an unworthy unworthy manner put all that shame back onto themselves because they've no understanding and they're no getting taught and they're no understanding the cross and the sacrifice and who Jesus is that's why some are sick weak and asleep I want to bypass understanding that. And I want to get well quick. Anyway, the disciples learned later. Then that previous event became more powerful. Helped him with their faith. Strengthened their faith even more. Lack of patience. Let me say this. Messies with learning and gaining a deeper understanding lack of patience, messes with learning and gaining a deeper understanding of who Christ is. Jesus knew the disciples didn't understand fully and didn't tell them because Jesus decided when the penny drops, I'll add everything and I'll add much more weight to who he is and what he's done for us. He knows when you need to know, what you know, when to know it, how to know it, when the penny drops. You know, I, I was in a debate this week, I'll not get into detail, with a, a preacher about God's hands are tied, and it's like, I ended up in a great debate, he's really, really well known, I'll not tell you who he is, I'll tell you in the coffee shop later, and I had a great debate with him, and I felt he was quite gracious with his answer, still wrong, um, and we did this debate, that, that as if Jesus has got a recruitment problem. <laughs> you know, Jesus has got a recruitment problem that's stopping production. Okay? So really what, what he was saying is, is Jesus' hands are tied about what he can achieve because of you. Really? Jesus is, so he's got a recruitment problem. Jesus would be doing so much more miracles than you if it wasn't for you. Really? So I ended up in a whole debate with this guy I says, Jesus doesn't have a recruitment problem. He's no, production's no affected because of you. What kind of God would need me? But yet he chose us. But he doesn't need us. I know we think that. That's very Arminian, isn't it? He needs me. He can't the with without me. It's all about me. It's about him. Honestly, you are underwhelmingly no needed. But you're overwhelmingly loved. <laughs> do you understand? You're underwhelmingly no needed. I know you think you're needed. I know you think God couldn't achieve what he could achieve without you. And I say to the guy, I say, stop writing. Back to me. Put your iPad down. Go outside and look up. And then come back in and tell me what part you were in making that. <laughs> what part were you needed in the earth being formed? And the stars? And no part. But he chose to share so if he's this, got a recruitment problem, Jesus needs you. And he said, Jesus could do no miracles here because of their unbelief. It's not that he couldn't do no miracles, it's that it wouldn't be bad if he'd done miracles. It wouldn't you have made them have any more revelation of who he was. Yeah. Your next miracle won't necessarily give you understanding of the cross. And Jesus knows that. And it's not that he can not It's just that he's orchestrating all things. Church is messing way too much with Jesus Penny drop. That, that's actually affecting their viewing. And their ability to be in awe. His sovereignty and who he is. The greatest awe that's sometimes in it, don't you think, It's when you find out later and you go. Oh. You know when you find out later that he was in it all? You no, know when you find out later that he was doing all that and he was sleeping in the boat. Oh, you were having a heart attack. You know that one. And he's like, oh, oh, breakthrough! I need breakthrough! I need breakthrough! I need breakthrough! I need breakthrough! You find out later what was going on, what was behind it. On you go, oh Jesus! And it lead you to trust him more and love him more and serve him more and understand him more and love the work more and stop looking for a solution. But beware. And thank God you're in this church. Honestly, I'm glad you're here. Because heaven forbid you end up in one of the churches and one of the churches that took you through a door and fast-tracking into that stuff and you miss all that. Oh. Verse 17 and 18, they're nearly there. Therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb, so we're back in with the crowd again, eh, raised him from the dead, bore witness for the reason the people also met him, because they heard all he had done, so we're now back in the crowd, here we've, we've been with Jesus here, we're back in the crowd, and those who had seen Jesus perform the miracle, and laser, they kind of shut up about it, you can't even blame them, <laughs> so they're in Jerusalem going, you'll no believe this, and everybody came, tell them the story again, tell them the story again, it says they couldn't stop, they couldn't stop testifying about it, tell them again, tell them again, and this is all gathering momentum, and they built such an excitement that they, they left the centre of Jerusalem and were walking towards Bethany or towards where Jesus is coming. A few miles away where Jesus was and he was starting to enter in the donkey. And there are some factors about the donkey mentioned, as I say, but we don't need to get into it. Then verse 19, I need to really bring this in. The Pharisees therefore said amongst themselves, you see, you're accomplishing nothing. Look at it. the world has going after him. Now, to the mere senior probably higher aki okay, Pharisees were saying to them who were still holding back remember I say that although Jesus the death was imminent they were still holding back about they were trying to get it in the right time and they're trying to you know if blood on their hands while they're doing it and some of the senior Pharisees are saying see this See this holding back for killing him look at the momentum is getting created see see, them, see this holding back he's, he's still making a death people are falling on need to get rid of him now we need to capture them now, we need to kill him now, you're delaying, isn't he helping? He's gathering even more momentum, puts me in mind in Nehemiah 4, Nehemiah 4 it talks about Sanballat, Tobiah, the Amorites and the Ashadites were furious because the walls were beginning to be built, they couldn't cope with momentum, the enemy can't cope with momentum, insecure people can't cope with your momentum. Momentum will always enrage people. Them who are threatened by the control that other people have or somebody else has over them. They think this momentum is going to stop them being in control. I talked about this last week and uh, we better kill Lazarus. He's a threat to us. Their insecurity. If you've got insecurity issues, this, you better go, ah, oh, this might be a bit ouchy certainly was for me when I was studying it because I could identify with me. Hopefully not so much now, but I'm not saying I'm there yet. Their insecurity couldn't cope with people. No looking to them for the answer. (laughs) That's a tweetable bit. Don't bother, but. Insecurity can't cope with people. No looking to them for the answer. They can't cope with no looking to you. What would you mean you don't need me anymore? What do, you, what do you mean you don't need me? What, what do you mean you don't need me anymore? Somebody gets better, they get sicker. What do you mean you don't need me anymore? What do you mean you're no dependent on me now? What do you mean you're getting better with Jesus? So the minute independence or momentum is gathered, they get insecure. I need you, and what the Pharisees are saying is, we need all yous to need us very common in dysfunctional relationships, we need them, they need us. And the minute that they, we sense that they don't, people don't need us, things flare up. Verse 20, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Okay, let me explain this and then we'll need to bring this in. The ones whom the Pharisees said, the world goes after them, this is what they're talking about, They were really talking about Greeks. So these last few chapters are talking about Greeks. Proselyte Greeks, they were talking about. Okay, so they're not talking about. They're talking about proselyte Jews. They were Greeks, but they were proselyte Jews. So there's this crowd here that want to go and see Jesus, and they're going to fully. They're going, going to see what he's up to. And these are proselyte Jews. Proselyte Jews are Jews who at one time used to be Greek. They were Greek. They were still Greek. They used to follow idols, so they would be following Greek gods, okay? They're proselyte Jews, so they would follow Greek gods, then eventually they realised this ain't working because this is mythical, okay? That means it didn't exist, okay? no, And there's certainly no God going to die for them. Uh, so, so they've converted to Judaism. They've converted to becoming Jews, these Greeks. They're all Jews now, but they're no full Jews because they're no circumcised, they've no been Jews for birth, they're proselyte Jews. So, these Greeks are, the fake God did not work for them. Some of you will identify with us, I know I did. The fake God did not work with them. Then the nearly God did not work with them. And they're still kind of somewhere, ugh, my soul still yearning for something. It's not there. The, the fake God, the mythical God, is they what I'm still no good enough to be included with the, that God because I'm not allowed right into the temple, I have to stay in the courtroom because I'm not good enough to get in there and know that's Jesus I'm, what's going on here they're no Hellenistic so anyway that's, that's where they are they're ranked lesser and then verse 21 22 then they came to Philip so these are these proselyte Proselyte Jews. And it says they came to Philip, who was from the city of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew and turn they told Jesus. So these proselytes go to Philip. No, Philip the Evangelist. This is this is Philip the Apostle. This is Philip, if you remember, in John 1:30, 40, odd right 44 John 1 44 where they say uh, Jesus goes to Philip Philip wasn't even looking for Jesus remember that Philip was working that, and Jesus goes and meets Philip he was getting saved he wasn't looking to get saved he was getting he was getting Jesus this is the guy okay this is the guy they go and see now why did they go and see him the chances are there's loads of maybe reasons we don't really know possibly because he lived in Bethsaida and that was close to the Greek border where they would speak Greek so chances are Philip could speak Greek right his name's Greek, but that doesn't really tie in with and because so was Nicodemus, and he didn't speak... No, he wasn't Greek. So uh, it doesn't mean that, but it's the chance he... I don't know, right? Don't ask me. It's too late. But you can guarantee that they were nervous about this meeting. And Philip go, I don't know if I can have this conversation with Jesus. He says he's here for the Jew. He says he's here for the Jews in Israel. How do you have a word? So that's why they went in anyway. They go and they ask... If, very respectfully, if they can have this meeting, they want a meeting with Jesus. Think about this, they want a meeting with Jesus. And Philip's in this conundrum, so they go and get Andrew, he goes and gets his best mate, and says, listen, we'll need to go and have a word with Jesus. These these Greeks want a word with him. And I'm going to close with this, uh, verse 23 and 24. It should really go into 27, but we'll run out of time, and I'll need to get into it next week, because he's getting a, a, a longer answer here. But this really bookends everyone have been saying, it says, verse 23 and 24, uh, but Jesus answered them saying "Which he hear his answer this is, what he, this is what he said to go and tell the Greeks the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified most assuredly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains alone but if it dies it produces much grain this is what Jesus is saying wait you hear this so he in front of all the people including the religious Jews says the only thing I can offer them is me dying and no I know they've had God that's promised them that. They've got a law of God that they're no able to deal with. The only thing I can promise these desperate people who's looking for something more is for me to die. So that's the message he gives Philip and Andrew. I know they're searching. I know they think they need more. They've been looking for more everywhere. What they need is me to die for them. They'd look for everything. They truly long for more. As everyone is in this room, we've longed for more. We wanted more. We desire more. We hope for more. We long for more. We've tried things and it wasn't enough. We went to something else and it wasn't enough. We thought we'd the answer and it wasn't enough. We tried the programme and it wasn't enough. We tried reading the book and it wasn't enough. We tried this and it was not enough. We tried to get love for humans and it was the enough. We tried to control people and that would work. It was not enough. We tried relationships. It was the enough. We thought success would be enough. We thought money would be enough. We thought we could create culture, but we're prisoners to it. And Jesus says, nothing else but me dying for them is what's going to truly give them life nothing's going to give you life but you knowing that Jesus died for you. I give them nothing but my death. Okay, he gives you more after that. But that's when it starts, with stops. And that death will give them everything they need. The death of Jesus and you knowing that is the start of everything you need. You don't got to get anything if an earthly saviour. They need a heavenly sacrifice. These men, can you come up, Fraser? Where false gods failed them. False gods failed these men. So it's so helpful that they get a loving one. They can't believe this. We've had false gods everywhere, we've had laws everywhere now, we've got a living God and he's going to die. They must have thought they'd like we're getting a living God now, this is going to be amazing now. see this is what happens I think in the church at times we come and we overpromise people that are going to be that and going to be that but we don't talk about the dying Jesus you're like I've just got to know him and now he's dying for me (laughs) I've no got to know him and just as they're about to get a living God they're actually going to get a dying God we truly can't have a living God this is what I've wrote here You cannot have a living God in your life until you understand and accept a dying God. If you don't accept a dying God, you'll never know a living God. Living or loving. You need to understand a dying God to get a living God. My God, I I don't know about you, my God became alive when I had deep understanding and revelation of his death it wasn't until I understood his death that I I, I became alive when did you become alive when you understood his death you became alive other than you were just the walking dead you really are just the walking dead because you don't understand his death and we're trying to bypass it and this is what's happening in this whole passage how can we bypass this how can we bypass this living sacrifice And only then, and when that happens, does he become enough. So here's the close, then, as we go home and wrap up. Is he enough? Can you be patient? Can you just allow the work of the word and the cross to start taking care of things and no messing with things? As you say, it doesn't mean we can't talk, we can't have conversations, but it's the work of the word. i have read that and we know that. Sometimes you can read none and you think you know everything. It's the work of the word and the work of the cross and the work of walking through the valley of shadow of death and taking every step over the blood and the atonement for our sins that's where the power lies that's where everything lies that's the foundation the stone which the builders rejected has become the key cornerstone and they reject the chief cornerstone they reject that they reject the cross they reject that the church today is rejecting really rejecting the cross and the power of the cross pursuing man-made things that's going to think it's going to get people well and it's killing folk it's destroying folk you have to ask yourself the question are these people saved? You need to pray for them. Are these people really saved? Because if they were they would they wouldn't even be pursuing other things but there's probably they're in these places and in their churches and they're getting over read needy controlling leaders who are not preaching the word of God and giving them some sort of idea of how to get well my clothes, and this is my final clothes, there's no quick fix I know you were one of them it's a nightmare isn't it it's it's wonderful as well it's the cleansing blood of Christ that cleanses us the unrighteousness every single day, every single day every single day Every single day, line upon line. That is the sanctifying work of Christ. He's sanctifying, he's setting you apart. He's setting you apart, he's covering you in his blood. Continually, 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 continually. He's, see if you're saved, you are saved from yesterday's sin, last week's sin, forever ago's sin, the day's sin, the next hour's sin, the next minute's sin, the more a sin and every sin until the day you die because of the work of the cross. How amazing is that? And people say, oh, but oh, that means I can go and live anywhere you want. Listen, when you know the power of the cross, you'll never live anywhere you want. You'll only want to live for him. And the more you know the power of the cross, see, it's no... The, the, Muslims say, oh, that's an easy get out of jail. Really? Really, I get out of jail? I say, your, your Muhammad says that if you commit adultery... You're committing sin and therefore deserve death. I says, my Jesus is way higher. He says, if you even think about it, you've done it. I says, we've got a higher Jesus. We've not got a lower Jesus. We've got a higher Jesus. And that's why we need grace. That's why we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, the redeeming work is. The cross is all we need It's all we'll ever need It's what we need to teach That's why we testify to know nothing Except Christ and him crucified We're not going to walk you through programs and through that stuff If we want to do Bible studies that's fine We're not going to walk you through that stuff We're going to let patience do its job We're going to let the work of the cross do its work And it's going to cleanse you day by day Minute by minute, week by week Step by step until eventually go Oh my Lord Oh Jesus I love you oh I love you Jesus for what you've done the more I understand you the more I understand who I am though. and I love you and you're leading me to forgiveness and tolerance and understanding in the right way and you're leading me to know to pursue other things just your word just your word behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world then we know we can sing Hosanna the right way Praise Jesus for everything He has and who He's done. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United. You can stay connected with us through our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages.